This West Texas town went from desolate to impossibly hip as it became an art and cultural hotspot. But while the town's face may have changed over the years, one thing has remained the same since before settlers decided to make this desert oasis their home. Glowing lights dancing over the mountains, beacons to ranchers and tourists alike. But what are these lights in the distance? Ancient spirits? An inexplicable natural phenomenon? Or messages from another world? This week's episode is The Marfa Lights. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinister First of all, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> How is everybody? Right. Thank you so much for coming. Yes. This is amazing. Everybody knows why you're here, I'm assuming. But I am Christy. I'm Heather. And let's just get into it. You want to? Yeah. We're not going to riff a little bit? You want to riff? Okay, let's riff. Well, very briefly. You won't be mad. <laughs> You guys I'll, know. I'll, st- I'll I I want to tell them what Heather has been doing in the green room and then I'll for tell the them past what half you were hour. doing. <laughs> She's been trying to solve a Rubik's cube. Okay, you guys. I She's stole, obsessed with this Rubik's cube. Stole a Rubik's cube from my second favorite coworker, who stole it from my first favorite coworker, the one with the toaster. And I cannot solve it. I've spent. So if anybody knows how to solve a Rubik's cube, hit me those DMs. Um, you know that Christy is, um, she's like a hairpin oh, trigger on. with her tears. <laughs> we can hear you guys all talking and laughing and cheering, and she got very choked up. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was very beautiful. So then right, I just... I'm gonna cry again. God damn it. I slapped her on her ass really hard and was like, get out there. No, I really, I go, I go slap me in the face, and she did, and I stopped. Yeah, it was great. So it was fine. <laughs> so, let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we, this week's episode is the Marfa Lights. How many of you have ever been to Marfa? Woo, because All it's right. a podcast, so people can't see your hands. Yeah, there it is. I did see some hands back there, though. <laughs> I have never been. I haven't either, only because the drive is so far. It's very far. I don't do well in cars. If I can't get somewhere on an airplane in three hours, I probably don't need to go. You could get there on an airplane in probably 45 minutes. I, oh, it'd have to be like a private plane. I think you can fly okay. to Midland and then drive. Well, I'll take a private plane to Marfa. <laughs> Sounds good. My After you said, solve that Rubik's Cube, get some, a plane sponsorship. My mom said I'm not allowed to fly in small planes because that's how JFK Jr. died. She's not wrong. And if one president's son died on something, then you're definitely going to be next. <laughs> think logically. All right, so we're not going to Marfa, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. We don't need to. Nobody needs to go because we're about to tell you all about it. You'll feel like you were there. Yes. Marfa, Texas is located in the high desert basin of the Chihuahuan Desert in the Trans-Pecos region of Texas. Nestled between the Davis Mountains and Big Bend National Park, it occupies 1.6 square miles of land. The thing about Texas is we have every single climate. Like, we have mountains and a desert and prairies, and they're all kind of right by each other. So why would you ever leave, right? Aww. (laughs) Maybe because you want, like, winter or... Uh, not to be 115 degrees for four months out of the year? Yeah, ask me in July if I want to leave. God. The town was founded in the early 1800s as a station on the railroad where steam trains would replenish their water supplies. The name Martha was chosen at the suggestion of the wife of a railroad tycoon, meaning Martha in Russian, after a character in a Jules Verne novel called Michael Strogoff. Michael Stroganoff is a delicious Lipton packet of noodles. (laughs) Also, what a badass job to be a railroad tycoon. Or a railroad tycoon's wife. Yeah. Of course, of course, a woman named this town. <laughs> Betsy, what do we call the place? With Marfa. <laughs> well, it shall be done. Because when you're a tycoon, he it, he, you get things done. Absolutely. 
Well, the population grew in the 1920s with the addition of the Marfa Army Airfield, which served to train several thousand pilots during World War II. However, it closed in 1945, and the population of the town declined after that. It was a mass exodus, pretty much. They there used was no it for... reason to be there. No, no, Until no. 1971, minimalist artist Donald Judd moved from New York City to Marfa. That is... Maybe a downgrade. I don't know. <laughs> like maybe just, if you're an artist, you stay in New York City. <laughs> I imagine he was just tripping out like Hunter Thompson and stopped yeah. and was so high. Yes. He was like, this is it. Everyone in Marfa aspires to get to New York City. And this guy was like, fuck all y'all. I'm going the other way. <laughs> well, he used some large airplane hangars and other large buildings to permanently install his art. Oh, that's a little. Come on. <laughs> Like, well, nobody could ever move your art. Pretty much, he said, uh, museums, showpieces for a little while, this art will stay forever. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, because it's Marfa and no one cares no about one's that gonna building. No one's going to challenge you. I guess that's why he did it. Yeah. A few years later, he bought two ranches and later worked to turn the decommissioned airfield into a permanent art installation. But at least it's getting used for something. In October 2005... Watch out, you guys. This next part. I... Have some hot takes coming up, just FYI. In October 2005, artists Michael Elmgren and Ingar Dragset, Christ, <laughs> that is a name, they permanently installed the famed Prada Marfa sculpture. <laughs> a face. pop, I hate this thing, a pop architectural land art project, which many believe is meant to represent consumerism, luxury branding, and gentrification. Maybe you hate it because it accurately represents and depicts all the things you hate, right? Consumerism and luxury branding. First and of all, I love some luxury brands. So <laughs> if Prada wants to sponsor this, please do. Call. Give us a phone call. But I will say when I first saw, because I have very hip friends who have been to Marfa, and you see it on Facebook, and I thought, oh, man, that is a real, that, that store is very far it's out very in the desert. very tiny. Who's going to shop there? I thought it was a real store. No one. It's fake. And when it was, when they built it, this is my favorite part this. of this, I texted this to Heather last night in all caps, was just ha, 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 ha for about three minutes. When they built it the next day, when it was supposed to open, it had been vandalized, and a bunch of people had broken in and stolen the the stuff and Curses, yeah. and, and graffiti dum dum all over the wall. <laughs> Which I was like, hell yeah! I just imagine the guys walking past are like Prada. That is fancy. Hang on, give me the crowbar. <laughs> What a bunch of dumb dumbs coming from New York Let City. Know. You know what? You know how they spelled it? D U M dash D U M. Yep. True Who's story. Who's the dumb dumb now? Yep. Well, speaking of temperatures in Texas, Marfa has a year-round temperature between eighty-five and one hundred five degrees. That is a wide berth of degrees. That can <laughs> it's either be. hot or real fucking yes. hot. And currently has a population of around 2,000. It's a it little is, place. It's very small. It is most often known now for its beautiful art. <laughs> and for being a great place to shoot movies like No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood. Both fantastic films. I've only seen the Saturday Night Live parody of both. <laughs> <laughs> you get the picture. Yeah. I drink your milkshake. Yeah, yeah. Most people who live there are employed by the U.S. Border Patrol, whose regional headquarters are located in Marfa. So that's exactly the type of people that want a Prada store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hard-working government yeah. employees. The Just... border, dum-dum Border Patrol. <laughs> well, the Marfa Lights, also known as the Chinati Lights or Marfa Ghost Lights, have entranced travelers passing near the West Texas town of Marfa for over 175 years. The lights are described as glowing orbs and seen most often near the Mitchell Flat, a special viewing park that was built for those hoping to catch a glimpse, which is located approximately nine miles east of the city of Marfa. Can I confess something? Sure, please. As a child, I heard about the Marfa lights and I heard about Aurora Borealis, and I was so scared of both of them. <laughs> 
Much like I was unreasonably because afraid of you the didn't mafia. Understand them? Yeah, I just didn't understand it. I was like, you know what? Marfa and mafia are not that far apart. One so other. maybe there's a connection. Oh there. God! <laughs> That's why he came from New York. It was a new life. Oh, oh God! <laughs> She's gonna take this very personal. You guys, I think we know where Al Capone ended up. Oh, in Marfa, and he's in the Prada store. Yes, he sells very nice hats. <laughs> Well, most people describe seeing yellow-orange lights, although some viewers have seen red, blue, or green. Typically, though, they're described as orange with splashes of red. They are most often seen floating anywhere from 400 feet from the ground to as low as 2 or 3 feet. Same with the temperature. Everything is very opposite of the spectrum. Yeah. They're flying above and around the desert vegetation just outside the city. Sometimes the lights pulse brightly and disappear, while other times they appear to glow as one single orb that splits into two. So in researching this, you can see videos that people have taken, and yeah, you can make judgments for yourself, but the better thing to do is find videos of people who've seen them and want to talk about it. It's very fun, and that's what we're going to talk about next. There's been lots of encounters. So many. Yes. So many that this is just a, the tip of the iceberg. I believe you said, because I had posted a lot of encounters in our co, you know, joint notes, and she's like, there's too much here. <laughs> I was like, there's so much. <laughs> well, the first mention of the lights dates back to 1883, when 16-year-old Robert Ellison, a rancher near Marfa, was out on a roundup when he noticed a strange glow shimmering off in the distance a few miles away from where he was standing. It appeared to hover a few feet off the ground. So for all you truthers out there who think that it's car lights, explain how in 1883 there was car lights Campfire. Campfire. Okay. Well, all right. (laughs) You know what? That's fine. According to Julia Plumbly, Ellison's daughter, he and the other ranchers saw it frequently. The men thought it was a campfire from faraway travelers. His granddaughter, Rosemary, still lives in Marfa and said that as a teen, the boys would drive the girls out to look at the lights in an act she called courting. Which I think is code for finger bane in the mountains. (laughs) (laughs) This was just this old lady who's just sun-dried and just haggard and was like, the boys would take us out there. And the interviewer's like, oh, and then what? She's like, I mean... And then they finger us while we watched the glowing lights. The say, live show. The glowing orbs were inside the car, I think. <laughs> and they were rosemary's. Nice. <laughs> there was a time when the boys liked to put their hands up my shirt. Now it's just doctors. <laughs> now my orbs don't glow. Oh, yeah. Now <laughs> she goes to the doctor to get a quick cop and feel. <laughs> Can we do it out in the mountains? Your office is so <laughs> sterile. <laughs> She's a lovely woman. Yeah, she's very lovely. We have lots of respect. Well, when asked for a theory, Rosemary said, I think they're a mystery and they should remain a mystery. Kids have to have a place to go and fondle one another Mm. by the moonlight. (laughs) As there were no cars at the time, it couldn't have been car lights that the ranch so frequently saw. On January 2nd, 1943, the Marfa Air Base opened. The men... Only men. At, I won't go into that. At the Army <laughs> Air Base began seeing the lights. At that time, there were no guard lights or air lights, and vehicular traffic was at a bare minimum. Fritz Call, an Army veteran who was stationed at Marfa and who currently manages the Marfa Airport, believes definitively that headlights were not to blame. You guys, interviews with Fritz Call are really dope because he always <laughs> wears his cool hat right on the top of his head. And he will argue with anyone who tries to say that it's headlights. He's like, you don't understand during the war. You couldn't just drive anywhere. You couldn't just drive. It wasn't people driving. And everyone's like, oh, okay, we're going to. Okay, crazy Thanks, person. I'll but he back runs off. The, he runs the airports. He can't really, like, kick him out of town. He does a service. <laughs> well, at the time, during World War II, fuel was rationed, and it was highly unusual for anyone to drive on treacherous roads in the mountain of dark. Call and his fellow servicemen saw the lights frequently, and based on their speed, color, and distance from the ground, believed they saw something far more unusual than simple headlights. Call and his men saw something, quote, totally foreign to anything in or around the area. The next day, the men asked around town about what they'd seen. 
Marfa resident shrugged and said, I mean, yeah, sure, we got lights. <laughs> the men stationed at the airfield would go hunting the lights, and one night they nearly died trying to chase them. Yeah, they were flying in an airplane real close, and they just, like, followed it all the way down, yes. and sometimes the lights hover, as we've told you, two feet off the ground, and apparently the rational person in the back seat was like, get us out of here! Uh, but I think that the um, the the... General idea is that everyone in the town is just cool with it. They like it. They don't yeah. think it's a weird thing. They're just like, yeah, that's that's what the mountains don't do. Don't get them started on the Prada sculpture, but they do <laughs> love the lights. Well, in 1955, James Dean was filming the movie Giant, which ended up being his last movie, in Rest Marfa, and reportedly became so obsessed with the lights that he would keep a telescope on him at night in hopes of witnessing the phenomenon. James Dean was super cool. He wore God, cool, hell yeah, he was. Super cool jean pants. He wore a sweet leather jacket. And can you just imagine, you're hanging out with James Dean, he's kicked up against <laughs> he's the door, the he's like, hang on a minute, <laughs> wait a second, I think I see something. <laughs> Look at those lights. And I was like, James Dean, don't you want to go courting? And he's like, uh-uh. <laughs> Uh-uh. I got a scope. Got my scope. I got a scope. In 1960, 16-year-old Hallie Stilwell and her family were in town to tend to business when they saw mysterious lights on the Chinani Mountains. Hallie and her family initially suspected it was simply a campfire, but based on its location, ruled out any headlights from cars. Never headlights, you guys. Could be campfire. It's never campfires. It's but spirits. Hallie said, based on its movement, it clearly was not a campfire, see, since it moved and bobbed higher off the ground. The family decided the only explanation was ghosts. That was, that's the leap. That's the leap. And deemed them ghost lights. I think I'm a if still If it's, it's not a, he- a car or a campfire, it's ghosts. Probably There's ghosts. There's no other explanation. Well, the only account of someone making contact with the lights took place in the winter of 1994. Reverend Alton Sutter was traveling along a lonely ranch road with his family late at night. Surprisingly, the family saw lights floating above them. One of the reverend's sons pointed out a light that seemed to slow from the rest of the lights. This softball-sized glowing orb seemed to get smaller and smaller as it grew closer to the ground. The reverend arrived at the light once it was the size of a pea. As it grew dimmer, the reverend removed his glove and his entire family watched as he touched the translucent orb with his finger as it completely faded away. He was trying to finger bang that orb. (laughs) He's like, honey, wait, I've heard about these lights. Let me take my gloves off. (laughs) And she's like, you don't touch me like that. (laughs) I leave my gloves on with you, Lucinda, you're my wife. (laughs) I think it's funny because he's a reverend and a family man, and anyone else that told the story, you would be like, you were on mushrooms. <laughs> Maybe he's still what? Hey, reverends can party. You never know. It's just like, and on a street, there was an orb, and I touched it, and then it disappeared. We take this guy at his word. Yeah. No. Yeah. Or maybe he he's was a man high. of God, so he has to be telling the truth. He's probably not high. Well, maybe the lights are just trying to help help us all out that is some that some people in the town that's their theory is that they're a like a benevolent spirit i like that Uh a professor that was hiking out in the desert dear martha he came upon the sun as it was setting and the temperature was so high up in the mountains and it began to drop he realized he was too far away from his truck and he couldn't find it he saw light in the distance which he mistook for a ranch light as he chased the light he found that it had led him straight back to his truck, where, once he arrived safely, the light blinked out. See, it's a benevolent... helping him out. Or he was chasing some person on an ATV, <laughs> and they're like, get away from me! <laughs> I'm a professor! <laughs> it's the reverend. He's like, I'm trying to touch that light, too. <laughs> well, if there are so many encounters with these lights, why don't we see any pictures of them? I saw plenty of crazy people videos on YouTube. (laughs) Well, James Bunnell has spent the better part of two decades, this is a long time to be studying something, studying the Marfa lights, and in his book, Hunting Marfa Lights, he indicates that photographing the mystery lights is more complex than just pointing a camera and pressing the button on top. He is a 
well-respected researcher, pretty much the top in the field of Marfa lights, which is a really That's small a field. niche community. Super yeah. niche. But he has spent so long studying the Marfa lights, and he wrote this book, and it's much like the Dyatlov Pass book I wrote. It's, it's like these researchers get so into their story that it's half research and half... Wait a minute. Crazy That's what we rants. do. Half research and half crazy rants. Oh, so us. You. Just oh, where's our book deal then? <laughs> But he talks about that his, he, I think his wife passed away, and he once that happened, he dedicated his whole entire life to just the Marfa lights. Aww, and that book sad. goes through all of the... It, I mean, it's sweet that he has a purpose, I guess, but it goes through all of the... Um, all right. Because he wouldn't have had a purpose in life had it not been for these lights. Well, I mean, you take your sorrow and you, you put it into something that helps a very small swath of the population. <laughs> yeah. People looking about to learn about Marfa lights. If it gets him through the day, that's all that matters. But there was like a whole chapter on how to photograph them. <laughs> well, because the Marfa lights are nocturnal events, you need to use special light control when photographing them. Use of long exposure and tripods are also necessary which means it's hard to transport all the photography equipment when a Marfa light makes a rare appearance. you got to be set up, prepared, ready to go, yes. like James Dean. I Just always <laughs> have it on you. We Gosh. Got my scoop. If, if tragedy hadn't struck, he would have solved that mystery. He would have been the one to solve the Marfa light. If anyone was going to. I'd just like to imagine James Benella's at the Mitchell Flat viewing area, like, <laughs> that camera's not going to work. <laughs> it's just super critical of everybody that comes up there. Bring a tripod. <laughs> Good luck, dum dum. <laughs> Just on the side with his arms crossed. <laughs> well, there are no sure shortage of theories as to what might be responsible for the mysterious lights. Apache Native Americans believe the lights to be falling stars. Local natives refer to the lights as Alsalti, a ghost referring to an Apache chief who was killed by the Mexicans. In 1879, Al-Salti and his men were tricked by the Mexican army into coming to Mexico for a feast, having been promised amnesty from the Mexican government. This is the ultimate fuck around. Like, this is so mean to be like, do you guys want to come to a buffet? And then it's your death? Yeah. Come on! God, that's First a roller coaster of, all, of emotions. If you want to trick me, tell me there's a buffet. Yeah. I'll show up anywhere if the buffet is promised. Well, the men were given wine and food and soon fell asleep. Which Same. Is, Friday yeah. night. Yeah, that's yeah, all the time. When they woke up, they were surrounded by armed Mexican troops. Most men were killed on the spot, but Al Salty and a few of his lieutenants were marched to the bank of the Rio Grande and executed by firing squad. Some believe the lights are the wandering spirits of these fallen men. They're probably... Guiding for that buffet. <laughs> I was just say, trying to guide people. There's not a buffet. Keep go, go <laughs> back to your car. If you were promised a buffet, there is not a buffet. It Keep was a going. Trap. Well, the very common and reasonable explanation is that the lights are simply from passing cars. In the 1960s, students at Sewell Ross University studied the lights and determined they were nothing more than car lights. A team of scientists from Sewell Ross and McDonald Observatory hypothesized yet again in the 1990s that the lights were from a radio tower in the distance or traffic along a mountain road. Sewell Ross University is very near Marfa, and I am just going to assume that the science department does a lot of studies on the Marfa lights. <laughs> so it would stand to reason they know what they're talking about. Or they've all been tricked by the oh, lights. They've all perpetuating, been brainwashed. <laughs> perpetuating a lie. Well, to test their theory, they installed marker lights to rule out traffic light. During this investigation, they used special night vision equipment. At first, they saw a pair of headlights driving slowly. That's what the lights want you to see. Mm. But suddenly, a light appeared that the scientists could not explain. Dr. Edwin Barker of the McDonald's Observatory concluded, There is something <laughs> in addition to car lights. People are seeing something in the atmosphere. I gotta get my scope. <laughs> the scientists officially determined that the lights were a natural phenomenon that they could not yet explain. That's very pretentious. We can't yet explain them, yet. but we're scientists and one day we will figure this out. Yet. In May 2004, University of Texas at Dallas Society of Physics students attempted to definitively disprove the lights <sighs> and using traffic monitoring equipment concluded that all the lights they saw were, in fact, simply cars passing along the nearby highway. Cogs in the machine. 
Still others posit the lights are something otherworldly. Some theorize that the Martha lights are on one corner of the Southwest Triangle, where alien activity has occurred. Y'all didn't know there were going to be act-outs in this. Always. The other two corners are Hooper, Colorado, home of the UFO Watchtower, which is a lot of cool pictures of that place, and I want to go there real bad. Yeah. And Roswell, New Mexico, who we all know. Their their alien story. The theory is that aliens have set up an underground base in or around the Triangle area in order to better study humans. Sightings in and around Roswell, Hooper, and Martha all point to some concerted alien activity in these areas. I hope this is the case. I hope they're studying us in some underground lab, and I'd like to see what their findings are, quite frankly. Go missing in the forest as they're getting sucked down into the yeah. alien observatory. It's all connected. But I will say, I know that this is the actual theory. This is the true, real one because the website I read it on had music playing when you oh, went to okay. it. So, yeah, this is it. If there's music playing, it's 100% true. Legitimate. And there was orange text at the top that said, turn up sound, music is playing. <laughs> You can't read what we've written unless you're listening to the music at the same time. It's real good. <laughs> well, author James Bunnell believes that fundamentally the Marvel lights are plasma. This is that is a crazy thing to say. No, I, I don't know. Uh, he's spent the better part of two decades. Yeah, that's true. It, yeah, so. he's he's also grieving though. So I don't as know. A, as a man who's probably donated plasma. <laughs> You may know. I Have you ever know. donated plasma? No. I did in college for money. <laughs> did you really? Mm-hmm. Shout out. My mom is in the audience, and I'm sure she's proud. <laughs> they tried to take my blood when I went to the gun show the other day. Don't ever let anyone at a gun show take blood from That's you. That's what I said when I was walking in. They said Why? free blood donations, free admission, and I just sort of quickly walked past the repurposed school bus in which they were taking the donations. And I got up closer to the door, and a guy was like, this was in Mesquite, hometown. I was like, hey, I got a deal for you. you <laughs> I got a deal for you. you. Donate a little blood. I'll buy you a ticket in. I don't know if he was with the donation center. No. He was standing pretty far away, and I just said, oh, no, thank you. And he goes, it ain't that hard. And I Sir, said, that's not the reason I'm not doing this. Well, I just said, I can't for medical reasons. And he, he didn't press me. But the medical reason is I don't want to have a needle put in me yeah. in the gun show parking lot. I don't want these these people to have my blood type and all no. my information. Or just, like, be stuck with a needle in a parking lot in Mesquite. <laughs> well, plasma is the fourth state of matter above solids, liquids, and gases. Yes. James Bunnell theorizes that tectonic plates rub together, causing underground lightning. This movement releases a hot ball of plasma. This is a really hot paragraph. Yeah. It's about, it's about to get better. Just rubbing together in hot balls. Yeah. <laughs> As the plasma cools, it travels erratically through the air, causing the lights. Bunnell says, I believe that the underground lightning creates... Dusty plasma clusters that are the energy source for the mystery lights we see. Dusty plasma cl- clusters. Dusty plasma clusters. Fantastic. It's the name of my sex tape. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Yes. Sometimes things come out of my mouth that I did not expect. <laughs> Bunnell thinks the bright bursts themselves might be something called, wait for it, ball lightning. Hell yeah. A phenomenon many scientists believe is real, but don't fully understand, and same for both men and women. Nobody understands ball lightning. Yet. Yet. (laughs) We'll we'll get there. Yet. We'll get there. Paul Devereaux, a geologist from London, so you know he's very smart. And just fancy. Yes, he's a fancy geologist. He also agrees that the lights are created by the Earth itself. Scientists also believe Fatah Morgana an optical illusion that occurs when a layer of calm, warm air rests above a layer of cooler air could be the cause of the lights. These are also referred to as superior mirages, and the conditions for this are common in the West Texas desert. It's just like Texas to be like, we have superior mirages or a little bit better than your normal mirages. In my research, I learned there are superior mirages and inferior mirages, and I kind of felt a little sad for the inferior well, mirages. The difference is that superior mirages are in Texas and inferior mirages... Everywhere else. Yep. 
at any any other place to see inferior mirage. But if it's an optical illusion, then is it like the magic eye where you have to cross your eyes or stare real hard at it? I've never been good at those. Like you can't we talked do? about this. No, you can't the, do magic I, they frustrate. It's like that scene in Seinfeld <laughs> where Lynette, or Lynette, that's my sister-in-law. She is not on Seinfeld. Wish she had been. Be living a different life right now. Where Elaine is trying to watch, yes. the, do the magic eye and gets so mad. Oh, no. What, who's her boss that she's working for? It's Mr. Pitt. Mr. Pitt. He's like, I can <laughs> see a so sailboat. <laughs> yeah. This is, we make a lot of Seinfeld references. Yeah. We talk about Seinfeld. Uh, but yeah, I, when I was a kid, I was really obsessed with them. And I thought I was doing it right because you get close and you move mm-hmm. away. But I could never do it that way. So if you cross your eyes, you can see it inverted. Oh. Uh, now I have astigmatism. So. Oh, God. But you can see all sorts of fun 3D pictures. I did not want to be left out. <laughs> so worth it. Another optical illusion with a far less fancy name that sounds like a plausible explanation is heat haze. This occurs when extreme heat near the surface of the road refracts the light from the sky. When this occurs, the ground essentially becomes a mirror reflecting the sky. If you've ever driven down the highway on a scorching summer day and up in the distance it looks like the road is suddenly wet, this is heat haze. Heat haze also happens when I wear shorts in July. (laughs) Yeah, we were just talking about wearing dresses during the summer. Hot, mashed up mess. It's a heat haze for sure. You're driving down the road, suddenly, (laughs) like, is that, it is wet up there. Yep. 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 (laughs) Mm -hmm. I thought it was an illusion. Turns out. It was not an illusion. It's very real. (laughs) Sadly real. (laughs) Sadly very real. Well, if there isn't anything on the horizon, heat haze looks like water. But when it's in front of something large, like a mountain, the haze can create a mirror image, also known as an inverted mirage. There's so many mirages. There's a lot of different types of mirages. Who knew? So do you think that's it? I do think this Because be. you wrote, because you, I don't know if you guys know our, our research style is we both take a lot of notes. I put my notes in a piece of paper and then it sounds like I write it down in a tab in a, the internet because we have in computers. In a piece of paper. I have computers. Um, <laughs> and then she'll take them and like put them in order and then kind of write. And I love the editorial, when you editorialize a little bit and be like, this is a plausible explanation. <laughs> I'm like, that's what Christy thinks. <laughs> Yes, it's my little Easter egg. It's how I'm trying to brainwash everyone into thinking what I think. Well, an inverted mirage tricks the brain into thinking what you are seeing in the distance is upside down and like it is being reflected in a pool of water. Heat haze can easily make lights from a car or campfire appear as if they were floating in midair. I don't know. Easily. Easily. (laughs) Well, quite possibly, the best theory and my personal favorite explaining the Morpholites is that they are jackrabbits with glowworms attached to their tails. Which is just such a fun thing to think about. A couple of people they interviewed would be like, it's just a damn jackrabbits. <laughs> I got glowworms on their tails. For but also, I imagine the glowworm is the the stuffed animal from yes. the 80s. Where you push it and it sings to you to go to bed. Yeah, It has a little stocking cap and on and it's little worm body. And it's, and it's just wrapped around a jackrabbit's tail. I... Until, so my mom's best friend lived like three doors down from us as a kid, and her husband was a teamster, which that's a whole thing uh, that I don't have time to get into, but he gave me a bank. Like, you know, you put coins in, and it was a... A piggy bank? Yeah, except it was a rabbit-shaped bank, and it was felt, and it had realistic eyes, and it had antlers on it, and it was a jackrabbit, or a jackalope bank. Jackalope. That, coupled with all the references to jackalopes on America's Funniest Home Videos, hosted by Bob Saget, led me to genuinely believe until way too late in my life that jackalopes were an actual animal. Mm. Turns out, you guys, much like the Megalodon. I was about to say, this is another Megalodon situation. (laughs) Hurts so much. But I had that bank, and I just remember holding it up, and I was like, look. And my mom's like, the antlers are glued on. I was just like... But look at it. She was just like, Did no. you think it was a real one that had been stuck like to a taxidermy, be a, a taxidermy jackalope? Nobody asked me how a taxidermy animal could be hollowed out. I didn't ask. But still disappointed, so I like to think it's jackalopes with glowworms. That's my favorite one. Although, of all the theories, Jack Reed, an old man who lives in Marfa, believes he has it figured out. In an interview, he said quite plainly, I think they're Satan's people to tell you the God's truth. 
I have a lot of questions for Mr. Reed. I loved it because it was in... They're just Are these just Satan's people walking around? Yeah, that's where they live. In the, okay. The, the devil worshippers live in the mountains. Oh, okay. It was, this was, his interview was in a video that was from the late 1980s, mid-1990s that some Marfa enthusiast has uploaded to YouTube. And it literally just said Jack Reed and he was an old man and it didn't say like rancher or mechanic it was just, so just jack reed my description was just like an old man who lives in marfa <laughs> and who's to say if he still lives there i mean I, if, if you guys know he'll jack always reed. live there he's I'm... one of the lights now <laughs> well julia Plumley, daughter of the rancher of what ralph ellison one of the earliest witnesses to the lights in 1883 suggests let's don't find out what they are let's leave them a mystery that's exactly how she said in the interview. <laughs> there's a lot of videos on this research. Yeah. Well, there's no videos of the lights. There's a lot of people talking about how they've seen the lights. There are videos of the lights. <laughs> However, Hallie Stilwell, who saw the lights as a teenager, emphatically said in an interview, I am not done trying to solve it. I am going to be content with ghosts and let the ghosts take care of them. I don't even know what that means. I don't honestly. either. And it was that's a ver- I had to rewind the video and it was transcribing what she was saying. But the, she was the one that her family saw the lights and were like, "Is it headlights? Is it campfires? They it's were a, ghost lights. The goddamn ghost." Well, what do you think? Well, the most plausible explanation, I think, with all the research that's out there, James Pennell, Here we he's go. written his book. Um, I really think that it's the UFO triangle. It makes the most sense. Because You're right, that probably makes the most sense. Yeah. <laughs> this whole tectonic plates and stuff shooting up out of the ground. Science. Scientists yeah. could figure that out. Yet. Yeah. No, they would know by now. There's nothing stopping any scientist from, and probably James Bennell would go with you, laying out in Marfa and hanging out on the mountains where you see him. I also wonder why everybody looks at him from so far off. Yeah, they say they can't cool. get up to him. Because if you chase him, you get too close. Yeah. Unless you're the reverend and you peel the old glove off and get in there. That's what they need. They need some more reverence to go out there. Maybe that's why why it disappeared because it's Satan's people. Oh. (laughs) Now we're figuring it out. I have a question. If it's an underground lair hosted by aliens, why don't we just dig down there and find it? You think that the aliens... How presumptuous of me to think we could dig down into the earth and find the alien underground lair. First of all, I don't know if you read the article today, there's a wall at the end of this space system or solar system or whatever. It's... I don't understand it, but obviously if we're contained and there's walls around us, the aliens gotta go somewhere and they're coming here. What are you talking about? There was an article today, I read it from a reputable source, it was a science magazine, I don't remember which one it was... I'll put it in the show notes Was it someday. National Enquirer? What is your science magazine? No, it wasn't in the paper. <laughs> Heather does refer to the National Enquirer as the paper. I do have a National Enquirer like on my bedside table right now. <laughs> I do it for the crosswords. Oh. Uh, and are this... they fun, like, themed crosswords? Or are they regular crosswords? It's, uh, it's is like... it like Bat Boy yeah. and oh, stuff like that? Oh, that's fun. But I think that the only logical explanation is definitely that there's some sort of alien activity going on there, and it's, uh, you know, it's encouraging uh, mm. the lights. It's That's what's shooting up out of the ground. It's not tectonic plates, James Bennell, you douche. It's definitely... It's definitely aliens. I think it's heat haze. You think so? I do. I think it's something that's happening in the atmosphere, an optical illusion that creates something that looks like alien stuff, but it's probably reasonably explained. So that's also how I feel about everything. (laughs) You don't think it was the ghost trying to lure people to or from the buffet? Oh, I I wish it was. I wish. I hope it's the jackrabbits with the glowworm. <laughs> Jack- honestly, what if it's just like a Marvel Universe situation? All of these things are happening. Thank you for the applauding to that. Did not think that's what I would get applause about tonight. But <laughs> the Tesseract is hidden underneath. That's the S.H.I.E.L.D. laboratory. Yeah. They're all working So together. technically it's aliens in all your faces. Yeah. <laughs> well, let us know what you guys think. Yes. Yeah, There's aliens, okay. Yeah, we got a lot of aliens. We might just have to go out to Marfa and I think do so. some reconnaissance. I would pay a large sum of money to drive with you to Marfa just to take a picture of you looking firsthand at that prod building. <laughs> and just the seething <laughs> hatred in your eyes. Because how mad you are just talking about it, you're not even near it. No, I just want to no. see the dumb So, Oh, I got so mad thinking about last night. It's starting to come up again. It's starting to bubble up. 
I just find it so pretentious. And if it's supposed to represent gentrification, what are you doing taking this beautiful landscape in this desert and then building something there that's trip and trendy? Oh, you're gentrifying it, you dum-dums. <laughs> you big fat idiots. <laughs> they they're all a bunch of big fans. Hashtag BFI. BFI. Yeah, we are starting that hashtag, by the way. Please start using hashtag BF, BFI, Big Fat Idiots. We want to trademark that. It is the ultimate insult because you're getting somebody mind, body, and soul. <laughs> you just hit them at all the levels. The one, two, three. Just like the Southwest Triangle. My friend Heather said she started saying, you goofy bitch, which is also oh, very good. Oh, that's good. I like that. That's very good. Sorry, isn't that? You goofy bitch. That's very good. Because it's like, oh, goofy. Hey. It's a quick whiplash. Yeah, you're like, oh, was that kind of a compliment? Wait, what? I don't hurt now. Ow. As a person who's frequently called a bitch, it's not that hurtful. Mostly by my mom. It's like a term of endearment. No. You bitch. You bitch. Well, speaking of your mom. Shout out. And moms and dads and uh, father-in-laws and everyone that came out tonight, thank you so much to all our friends and family. Yes. This has been a blast. We couldn't do this without all of you. If you're coming to the show on Saturday, it will be a brand new topic. And we can't wait to see you there. If you weren't able to get tickets, but you still want to come out, come hang out for the last night of DCF, you can still get tickets to see us perform with the Colt at 9 p.m. It's going to be a very, very fun night. Yes. And if you want to come after this show, we have a, uh, another show. We're not yep. in the same troupe, but she, Chrissy's actually going to be the guest monologist for my troupe. She's going to come out and tell a short personal story, and then me and my troupe are going to do an, uh, an improv, uh, improvised show. Yes. And then one of my troops will go on right after that and do a totally different show. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll be hanging out in the bar area after that so we can uh, have a drink together and All shoot the shit. The jello shots. Yes. Oh, yeah. There's there's a lot of jello shots. It's one of the best things of DCF is all the jello shots. So come have a jello shot with us, please. And also, we want to personally thank your husband, Tommy, who always edits the show and takes care of us. Uh, we want to thank DCH and DCF for having us. Mandy and Amanda. Mandy, fuck. Maggie and Amanda. Not a person we know. I do have a friend named Mandy. She's okay, really well, nice. let's thank her. Uh, thanks, Mandy. She was super girl at Magic Time Machine. Shout out. Um, <laughs> and No, but Maggie, who's the executive producer, and Amanda, who owns DCH and is uh, super supportive of us and everything we do. And also Deep Elm Art Co. for having us. Yes, what a dope space. space. Awesome. Look at all that art. This place is sweet. There's so much art. Uh, thank both of our families, yes. everybody who listens. Special shout out to my coworkers who came. They, I, have I don't off. have co-workers. <laughs> Ella let you Unless come. Unless my daughter is here. She's and your I don't boss. Think she is. She is my boss. Yeah. My daughter is my boss. She's at home. Um, but yeah, they let me. I can take a vacation day tomorrow and hang out Aww. with you guys tonight because they. I mean, uh, she's gonna get lit tonight. They picked up the slack, so thank you very much. Yes. Well, many of you have asked if we have a Patreon. We do, where you can donate to the show. Our show will always remain free, but if you do wish to donate to help offset the cost of making and hosting the show, you can visit sinisterhood.com forward slash links. You can also get some sweet perks like the Patreon-exclusive mini-sode we'll be uploading tomorrow that is all about the Bjork stalker, Ricardo Lopez. Ricardo Lopez. Woo! Yeah, that was a tough one. And it also, was. we'll do monthly videos, so we'll have video Q and A's, and we'll post those in the Patreon exclusive Facebook page. And mm-hmm. I also did a review about all the true crime documentaries I've been watching and all my hauntings. Yes, you can. I watch stickers sent to you. A yes, sweet you get a sticker, sticker and a shout out. Yep, so much stuff can happen. All the things. Well, you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Heather, where are you at on the internet? Everywhere at Heather vs. The World, except for Twitter because it's too long. It's MCK versus The World. Oh. Christy, where are you at? I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy.
I was trying to leave. They were trying to leave, but uh, we're going to do a quick Q&A. So uh, the way this will work is I'm going to turn this microphone around, and if you have a question for them, you can come line up right here, and it's going to face this way. And, um, yeah, we'll go from there. And then I'll let you know when we're going to just take a couple more questions so that we can then move to a meet and greet. Um, Is that good for you, ladies? Hell yeah. Great. Do you guys need anything to drink or anything? Got some aguas. You're good? Good, great. So I'm going to turn this around and open it up to uh, the first person who wants to ask a QA. and a Also, we know some of our comedy friends are here, so if you have bit questions, always welcome. (laughs) Yeah. Love a good bit. Legit, yeah, legit questions and bit questions. Legit and bit. Legit bit. We're welcoming all questions. Either one. There you go. Whatever. Let's just sit here in silence. What if no one asks you? Oh, yes. Oh, come on, line up. Come on up here. We got this one right here. Hi. Hi. Oh, my God. I've never met you in person. That's great to see you. For those of you in like a year, it's been a while. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, this is Clifton. He used to live in Dallas. He's a DCH vet. And I'm like my online friend because I started after you left. So, this is the first time I've seen you in person. It's so good to meet you. It's nice to meet you, too. How's things? You're pretty good. Cool. It's great. Uh, I had a question. Uh, Christy, if it weren't a Prada store, say it was like an old Navy, (laughs) would it be less infuriating or more infuriating? That's a really good question. I I think because I could relate to it more, a bit less infuriating, but I'm just irritated by the concept of someone building this. It would be less. I, I just worked through it in my brain. Absolutely, it would be less. Yeah. Think about all the Old Navy coupons those those workers could have to go get new jean pants to wear when but they're out But it's not a real patrolling. store. Oh. If it was, that's what's so stupid. It's Burn also it just down. like, it's just by itself. They almost had to get rid of it because it violated some billboard code. Um, you know what they did have to get rid of? What? The 40-foot pink neon bunny that Playboy had installed down the nice. street. They got rid of that. That's art. That's real art. <laughs> we got rid of it. Thank you. Okay, thank Thanks you. for thank your you. question, Clifton. Hello. Hello. Hi. I love that you have them on your phone. Did you prepare? Oh, I did. I did. <laughs> oh, I love you so much. I want to make sure I didn't forget anything. First of all, you said, uh, Heather, you said, sometimes things come out of my mouth that I don't expect. That's the name of your sex tape. Um <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I actually have a, a quick question for each of you. Uh, Heather, I know that you said Nancy doesn't really listen, right? But is she? No, she listens. Oh, she does? Oh, is she, if the episode is not uploaded at midnight so that she can get it at 5 a.m. when she's making her coffee, her Folgers, I get a text message. <laughs> but go on. <laughs> um, is she cool? She, I'm guessing she's cool with your impression of her. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so accurate. Okay, well, that's what I was wondering. Is, is she never like? I she just goes. She is here. She's oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the most special moments I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, and my second question uh, is for Christy. I guess it's more of a challenge, really. Could... Oh, I love it already. Oh, so you're up for it? Mm-hmm. So, could you spend the next thirty seconds describing the last act of ET for me without crying? No. <laughs> What, is it? what happens in No, I can't. I'm already about to cry. <laughs> well, in the last part, he doesn't even get to go home finally. Yeah, finally. <laughs> so, so it's the saddest movie that's ever been made. I'm so sorry I did that to you. I love you. Thank you. I love you, Brian. She's legitimately teary. I'm a little upset right now. It's so good. Hello. Okay. Hi. Hi. What's your name? I'm JP. What's up, JP? Hey. We know you. We met. Yeah. Well, we've met. Yeah. I don't think right. we met before. I think I've seen Brian. It's nice to meet you. Hello. So my question is not a bit question. It's more Good. of like a process question. Sure. So both of you are improvisers, mm-hmm. but this isn't really an improv stage. It's a podcast. So I'm curious as to how you guys prepare for the show. Do you have a rehearsal? I mean, clearly you have notes, but clearly you also have improvised bits of it. So I'm just curious as what goes into making the show for you guys. That's great a great question. Yeah, great question. Do you want to well, start? Well, like I said, we have, we use Microsoft OneNote if you want to get nitty gritty. And we have tabs. We have the podcast outline tab, the sources tab, because Christy will not put anything in the outline that has not been source checked. <laughs> She'll be like, you said an ice, uh, this person was frozen in a block of ice. What newspaper was it from? <laughs> was it legitimate? To be fair, I call the National Enquirer the paper, so it's a fair question. Um, and then we have the notes tab where like, I'll write some of my notes. She'll write her notes. And then she takes them and combines them into the outline. And then I'll, we'll both read over the outline just so 
you know, we're familiar with it. And then she shows up to the recording studio, my guest bedroom. And then we sit down and mash record and we go. And that's, we do not rehearse it. Though. We don't rehearse. We don't anything. do like a first take or anything like that. And we don't write bits or anything. It's no. literally like I didn't know I was going to talk about James Dean yanking a scope out of his pants. Right. Like it just it just comes out. Yeah, like my sex tape. Yeah, oh, yeah. that was very that's, funny. That's so the congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Hi. 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 I'm Mickey. What's um, up? I'm obsessed with true crime, so yeah. your podcast speaks to me on a spiritual level. Oh, right? good. Thank you. Which means my question is hella basic. Let's do it. <laughs> what, what started your obsession with true crime? Oh, my gosh. Oh, started the obsession with true crime. That's a great question. I've always kind of been into true crime or weird stuff since I was little. I can tell you, as a child, so my sister's five years older than me, and so she would have been about 12, so I would have been about seven. She loved, loved, loved Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. The yes. old one with Robert yes. Stack, right, was the guy mm-hmm. that hosted it. And just, I would watch it with her, but I was so scared. It's, I was so scared. And like she would be like, you're being a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I watched it to kind of demystify it and be less scared. And, and I think the same thing happens with anything we research, especially any sort of a serial killer or something that's like really violent or scary or devastating or especially ghosts because they're real you guys watch out um i like to learn as much as i can about it just so you're i feel like it demystifies it and makes it less scary so unsolved mysteries yeah i was a big unsolved mysteries fan also rescue 911 they were in the same time block back in the day and i kind of like being scared i've always like i like going to haunted houses i like being scared about stuff think demystifying it too mm-hmm. but there's just kind of an an interesting uh human infatuation i think with struggles that other people have gone mm-hmm. through um so yeah it's it's been something i've always been interested in and then when we decided to start the podcast we actually started it because i was convinced we could solve a cold case <laughs> i'm still convinced which we yet we, we have not yet yet but one day we will um, we had both just watched The Keepers on Netflix, yeah. and I was like, if these two women can do it, so can we. <laughs> we just haven't solved a cold case yet. <laughs> yeah, but we will. Thank, Thank you, you so Nice much. meeting you. Thank you for coming. My Frankie. If you would like to see this man in a troupe with me tomorrow at Dallas Comedy House, 930. Yeah. Shout out. I don't know why I'm taking this out of the stand. Fine. You look very casual and come. You got a drink in your hand. You're you taking your, the mic out. Are you about to do a type five for us? Nice. I love it. Um, so earlier in the episode, you guys talked about courting. Yeah. Yeah. If you could go any place to court, where would you go? Oh my gosh! By courting, are you talking about the way you explained it before? Okay. Or finger banging. Okay. I love that our moms are here. Yeah. Uh, for any single guys listening, <laughs> so exactly. If what I could I go anywhere, I mean, probably like I don't know, outer space, just so I could go. I'll tell you exactly where, and that way, and the rest would kind of just be like whatever. But I'm going somewhere that I like would be badass to go. While well, Chrissy's getting fingered in a spacesuit, I'll tell you where I'd be. <laughs> One of those cabanas in like Fiji, oh, yeah, over the water. Sweet. Hell yeah, that'd be sweet. That'd be sweet. I don't know space though. Fiji! Yeah. There, you know what's in Fiji that's not in space? Buffet. <laughs> you, don't, uh, you don't know what they got up there in the <laughs> space center. Actually, probably not much because their funding's been drastically cut. You know what? I, they do have the wall at the yeah. end of space. They got a lot of planets. Look it up. Thank you, Frank. Right, thank, thank you, Frank. Thank you. Hi. Sorry, my name's Lara. I met you a couple yes. weeks ago at the psychic fair. Hello. I was the girl that oh, nice. told her about the pig that I met in Denton. Yes, I told you that. She, oh, she yeah. Saw somebody walking a pig. Speaking of pigs, I have a question about a pig. Super random. It's enough to do with your podcast. Go for it. Ask whatever. Can you, how'd you get your pig? What's it like owning a pig? I just want to know. I really question. love pigs. They're my favorite animal. Pedal's yeah. amazing, It's your, fa- it's your favorite it's animal? I commented on your Instagram a weeks ago. You posted a picture of her. I was like, God, I love her. Perfect. I want one so bad. Please well, tell me. Well, I love pigs. Don't get one. That's my, I don't mean my, the first You're advice I give you. She, okay. The girl we got her from said, and I think this sums it up nicely, is pigs are assholes that can sometimes be sweet. Which is also how I'm describing people. <laughs> she's great. She's she's a lot. There are a lot to take care of. They're very needy. They're very smart. 
So she's very, she can be very sweet, but she can also be real, a real goofy bitch. What she <laughs> wants to be. She's a goofy bitch. What's the thing you have to do where you have to, like, oh, sand They her. have to, like, cut their hooves once every six months. They have to get it's their tough. teeth filed. It's the whole thing. She can't travel because we can't get her fat ass in the car. So <laughs> people have to come to the house and do it. Also, when she gets in the car, she immediately shits. <laughs> hey, like, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, listen to episode 13 if you want to know why Heather's saying Mother that. like daughter. Interesting. Yeah, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree with cuddle. If you really do want to get a pig, though, I can message you more information about it. I will message you more information, and I'll talk you out of it. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, that top's super cute. Hello. Double question, it seems. Hello, yes. For those of you who don't know, this is Julia Sakura. She's a phenomenal Dallas area stand-up. Yeah. Thank you. And her roommate. roommate. What's up? And her roommate. What's up? My dear friend. Um, Meg has discovered a cult in Richardson. (gasps) What? Off Campbell Road. What? Whoa. It. There's a real... How did, by discovered, are you a member in this, you're all, you're about to try and get everybody in here to join? Well, I, I go to UTD, okay. so I pass by this suspicious-looking building every day, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta look this building up. So I called Julia and was like, I looked this building up. It's a for sure cold, and like, what? When you looked it up, how did you know that? Um, it's was called at Cancar. At Cancar? At Can? At Cancar? I, can- I don't know what word that is. We're just Me saying either. this is just it's vowels. That it's sounds like much. letters are missing. No, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a consonants and uh harold klemp is their leader that is a that's cult a cult leader, leader name right <laughs> and all of like the scriptures on their website they're like they look like scriptures but they're quotes from harold klemp who oh. is a messenger of god yeah, oh is. this is a cult yeah yeah, yeah. And when, uh, when god is flipping through the white pages of humanity he stopped on klemp <laughs> yeah harold klemp is our guy hell yeah wow so anyway they're their services are, are open to the public <gasps> at 11 a.m. on Sundays, like any normal church. So. Wow. Are you going to go? Well, so. Oh, that's where you're here. Are you trying to get us to go? <laughs> Meg and I are you. very cult susceptible. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> then don't go. No, no. So we're, we're, I'm curious to see if you're interested, would be willing to go to this cult with us. With. <laughs> Wow. That's my mother just, screaming just no. Just, That's the same. My, my mom screaming no is the same thing when I told her I was going to go for school project to the Scientology Center. She was like, oh, hell no. You call me, tell me you're not going to go. And I did. The only oh. thing stronger than Scientology is my mom, so she'll go with you. <laughs> Wait, do they have a buffet? That call will have no more followers when Nancy Message gets us the name, though. I do want to look okay. that up. All right, all right. Yeah, we'll message it up. I'm we'll going to say I'm not not going to go. Yeah, we don't know. We'll have to do more research. But well, yeah. I, I have a fear. I don't think I'll get sucked in, but I just those things may. I'm so like freaked out by things. That's like that. your sex tape. There you go. I don't know if I'll get sucked in, but I'm freaked out by things like that. <laughs> there it is. I'm glad that we have some projects in the works after this. <laughs> I might go. I might go. I'll let you know. Thank but you. y'all don't go by yourselves. Don't. I don't feel like we're gonna see you again if I, you do. I, yeah. We've, we've been Take told Garlis many with you. times we should not go. <laughs> Take so Jeff still... with you. Okay, alright. Well, thank you. Thanks, thank you. guys. Also an amazing stand-up and improviser, yes. Jeff Garlish. Mr. Jeff Garlish. So, uh, sorry, this is a little short for me. They inspired me. That's um, the name of your question. sex tape. <laughs> Hello. Uh, their question inspired me. If y'all were going to start a cult, what would it be called? And what would like the requirements or tenets be to be in your cult? Wow. First of all, no pants that are not stretchy pants. <laughs> yeah. No pants. Yeah. Um, only carbs. Yes. It's going to be a lot of food and just general, generally being comfortable stuff. Yes. I think it's what it's going to no be. No one is allowed to talk during movies. That's no. like my number one. It's like an executable or offense. Or within the first hour of you waking up, yes. you can't be asked a question. It's completely silent. Also, you get to sleep as long as you want in the morning. Yes. The only movies you can talk during are The Purge, after you drink a daiquiri from the drive through daiquiri stand in downtown Dallas. Okay. That's thing I do. Like it's a ritual I have. I'm just saying. <laughs> We all have our rituals, you guys. What would the name be? Oh, my gosh. What's a... a 
Oh, it needs to be long. Well, it needs to be like a long name. Like, what was the one in Garland was like this God Spaceship Coming to Earth Society of America? It needs to be something really long, like the worship of two women goddesses who were given to the Earth to eat carbs and wear pants. (laughs) That's it. You got it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We require a ten percent tie. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Last call. We had such good questions. I mean, yeah, these are great. Oh wait, go go go! It's your mom. Oh, that's my mom. How much did you get paid for the plasma donation? All she's been thinking about is that since that was said like an hour ago. I think thirty dollars or oh, something God, like not that. Worth it. She's shaking her head in shame. I needed beer money. I had to buy Keystone. <laughs> oh, God. oh, thanks, Sorry, mom. Man. I love you. Thank you so much for coming, guys. They're just going to run backstage for uh, one hot second. If you would love to meet Christy and Heather, they would love to meet you. Sinister. Hood.